And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Holton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a great weekend. You know, just when you think the golf season is underway, you uh, tune into the PGA Tour up at TPC Potomac, right outside the nation's capital. And it's a high of 50. It's raining. The wind is blowing. It's miserable. <laughs> Texan with some friends back home, northern Idaho. They wake up and there is snow on the greens. My goodness, it was 90 degrees and humid here over the weekend in Florida. Anyway, it's coming, folks. Golf season is coming. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, this podcast kind of excites you, motivates you to get out there and play when the temperature does warm up because it's coming. Summer is on its way. Don't forget, visit TravisFultonGolf.com for all your needs to uh, help you play better golf this year. All five training programs are up. Use promo code STRIPESHOW20, all caps, STRIPESHOW20 to receive 20% off any of the training programs. The best deal is the bundle as uh, you want to be checking out. Now, members, you can also become a member at 20% off. Use the promo code. And, uh, you know, for members, we've got a little run here of picks coming up. We had a decent week uh, this last week up there at the Wells Fargo Championship. And, of course, we give you our best bets and picks for the week as part of the membership. Ben Coley will join me tomorrow, one of my favorite handicappers overseas. He will be on the show. And then Wednesday, don't miss it, Jason Kokrak joins us. Hopefully, uh, Jason Kokrak has some insight, perhaps, for us on uh, this LIV investment series that's coming up, backed by, of course, Saudi Arabia. We'll be talking about that today uh, with our guest, Daniel Rappaport, who will be joining us. But one thing before we bring him in, on Thursday, Marcus Potter will be joining us as we have a big announcement coming this week, Travis Fulton Golf. As uh, Marcus Potter joins the team, he will be teaching right in here in the studio when he's in town. Of course, he works with a number of tour players. He will be part of the team. You'll be seeing him some on the podcast and he will be available for lessons right here inside the Travis Fulton golf studio. Thank you for being here. You can see the about golf simulator in the backdrop there. This stripe show podcast is presented by about golf. I'll be getting up doing some online lessons here throughout the day, catching up from the weekend. Lots of stuff to get to as we bring Daniel Rappaport in. You know, some people are thankful these days, like Max Homa, who gets his fourth win on the PGA Tour. Great interview with Amanda Balionis. Perspective. That's always a, a key word in life, having perspective. Life is good, he says on the PGA tour should be, I mean, he is entering into his prime right now playing terrific golf. That's three wins folks in just over 14 months. That is a heady uh, stretch of golf. Now he's not competing. I think like he should be and wants to be in major championships. We're going to talk about that today uh, with our guest, but he's coming into his own right now. Of course, on the other side, Sergio Garcia uh, threw another one of his tantrums. And uh, he quote, you know, he just can't wait to, uh, to get out of here, get out of the PGA tour. Just a couple more weeks. He says, just a couple more weeks, Sergio, until you can move on 
over to the Saudi Arabia tour. Of course, that's what it seems to be that he's implying after his yet again, another tantrum on the golf course. We'll be talking about that as well as Cameron Young, Cameron Young. Is he not the next Sam Burns? I've been telling you Cameron Young is one of those players, him and Mito. Those are the two guys at the beginning of the year that I had my eye on. I think Cameron Young is on the same trajectory as Sam Burns. And of course, we'll be talking all things Saudi League. Uh, Lee Westwood's comments now, another 40 players on the DP World Tour have applied to play in the London event, which I think most of these players will get the release to play in London. I think where, you know, things are going to hit the fan per se uh, is going to be the event in Portland when it comes to the United States. That's where things are going to get interesting. So, you know, there's a guy on the, uh, on the grounds out there a lot. He's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. His name is Daniel Rappaport with golf digest. He's back for his monthly checkup. Let's bring him in. Daniel Rappaport. There he is. Rise and shine Monday morning. Daniel Rappaport, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm up. I'm up. That's, that's about as, uh, as much as you could ask for at this hour. I'm up. Is, is there more going on in the world of professional golf or your own personal life right now? Which, uh, which has more going on? I mean, you are a busy man. I am busy. Uh, I would say professional golf because as, <laughs> as we were just discussing off air, it actually does feel like this is all finally coming to a head, which I feel like I've said that a bunch of times where like over the last two years, it's like, okay, this is actually going to, we're actually going to see what happens. This is the month. 30 days from here on out and, and we really see what the fate of this thing is. So I think, I think this is a really, really important month really for the future of golf. And that sounds dramatic to say, but it's true. I think it is too. Yeah, it, it is true. It's fascinating right now. And now you got the, the DP world tour, you know, into the conversation, 40 players and the impact that that could have on that, on that tour out there. So we'll get to that here in a second, but we, we've got to start with the positive let's perspective, right? Isn't that the, the word? Yes. <laughs> As uh, Max Homa in his own creative ways after his, uh, his fourth win on the PGA tour, three wins now in, in just over 14 months. Let me say that again. Max Homa has three wins on the PGA tour in just over the last 14 months. This is, um, this is some good stuff here from Max Homa. You know, Dan, you're out there on tour. You know, Max a little bit. I'm on Twitter. Not everybody's on Twitter. We know he's a funny guy. He's, he seems very approachable. Um, you know, he's got a new baby on the way. Give my audience for those that are not on social media, some insight to the person that is Max Homa. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's number 29 in the world right now. And, and the path that people take to get to that level is always different, right? There are a lot of guys out there who started out dominating as juniors and then, and then never really stopped. Max is a little bit different. He had a really nice junior career. A really, he was on one of those best ever Cal teams. They didn't win the national championship, but they were widely considered to be one of the best teams ever. He has some early success as a pro. He gets his PJ tour card and then he runs into an absolute wall. I mean, Hard to explain how bad this guy was. It sounds harsh, but I think he made 17 starts in, in one full PJ Tour season. I made two cuts. Mm -hmm. um, he shot a lot more rounds in the 80s than he did, you know, in the mid 60s for sure. And thousand uh, bucks, I think he made. Yeah, eighteen thousand dollars, which yeah. is you're losing significant money. Wow. These guys have a ton of expenses. Mm -hmm. um, so he said this after he won history. He said, "Look, I've seen the depths of this game, and, and not many people at this level have." 
And while he wishes that he didn't go through that, it's definitely, you know, he wears those scars with pride. He thinks that it's, you know, helped make, make him the man that he is. So you know, he has that, that career arc. And then he has the social media piece where, you know, he was the first and still probably the most uh, active on social media, not just active by, by posting sort of corporate BS, you know, mm-hmm. not just, oh, I'm so happy to partner with this brand or this brand. He's funny and he, and he tells you how he's feeling and he's, he's very authentic. And I think that's the, the number one thing with Max that has resonated with all of his peers and all the fans is that it's just all real. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's the same guy now that he was five years ago when he was maybe the worst player on the PGA tour. Obviously as a golfer, he's gone through a crazy transformation, but as a human, he really hasn't. And I think keeping that authenticity is what has made him so appealing to so many people. So, you know, number 29 in the world, four wins, as you mentioned, uh, he's got a, maybe, don't know if we're ready to start talking about president's cup teams, but he's got a really strong case guy wins a lot he's got a win at the tournament at the host where host venue of the president's cup at quill hollow so this is a guy who kind of right in front of our eyes because of the social media piece we feel like we've watched a star blossom yeah we feel almost like a parasocial connection to this guy because <laughs> he lets you in so yeah i mean he's he's different he's definitely different among pga tour pros yeah I, you know it's you watch his his rise here, and I think he he made the comment that he's kind of coming into his own right now. He he's believing in himself. He's more confident, and we know how that how that to translates out in the PGA Tour. You know, he's sneaky long. I mean, this is a guy that busted over three hundred consistently. He's in the upper third on the PGA Tour. I, I, he's a good iron player. I think he's become much improved with his approach wedge game. He takes advantage of par fives, uh, and he's a solid putter. His, his short game gets a little clunky from time to time, but you add all that up and you think, all right, gosh, he should be, you know, competing in major championships. And that's the other side of max. So are you more surprised in that he's got, let's say three wins in the last 14 months or the fact that his best finish in a major championship is T 40 at the open. He's never made the cut at the U S open. What are you more surprised at when you, when you evaluate that as a player? Yeah, it's hard. It, it, it's hard to make sense of because, and, and, you know, Rory was talking about this after the round yesterday, when you watch him, especially on days like yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. First hole, he gets up there, down the middle, sticks it to, you know, six or seven feet and makes birdie. And then he's kind of in control the whole way. It was a little up and down, but, you know, Max was, was the one carrying himself and looked like he was comfortable in that position. And Rory was like, look, when you watch this guy, he's way too good of a player to have some of these struggles that he has. So, you know, I don't know if it's a pressure thing where he hypes himself up, um, but the the game that he's shown, especially on Sundays in contention, because he has four wins. He doesn't have that many top fives. Mm-hmm. When this guy's in contention, he wins. Yep. So you see him in total command of his emotions, in total command of his swing, in the most high-pressure moments. And then, he, you know, he's, he's, he's been one of these sort of trendy picks in majors uh, in recent years just because of, of the way he's played and the way he's carried himself. And then he's put forth a bunch of duds. I mean, and, and he was the first one to tell you that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I expect it to change. I really do. I, I think you don't win four times in a three-year stretch. I mean, the only I think the only guys with more wins over this period than Max Homa are Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, and there's one other. I can't remember who it is. It might be John Rahm, but it's, but it's someone else on that tier. So if you look at non-majors, you know, he's one of the probably the 10 best players as far as the last three years. And you look at majors and he's – you know, he's done absolutely nothing. So, you know, going into Southern Hills, I think you, you couldn't ask for better preparation. He's winning his last start. He's mm-hmm. clearly in a great headspace. 
Um, and he's starting to believe that he's one of the best players in the world. And that was another thing that I thought was really interesting. After he won yesterday, he was saying, you know, when I won for the first time at this tournament, Wells Fargo and Quill Hollow in 19, I knew I could be sort of a regular PGA Tour player. I knew I could keep my card. I knew I could be out here for a long time. Then all of a sudden you get to the top 50 in the world and you look around and, okay, you're surrounded by some pretty big names. And you think to yourself, am I good enough to do this? Am I good enough to be out here? Am I good enough to play mm-hmm. the President's Cup? Am I good enough to play in every major? You know, am I good enough to be in between, you know, Sergio Garcia and, you know, Joaquin, whatever it is in the world rankings? Am I on that tier? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely yes. And he's starting to believe that. And, and a golfer who truly believes that his best will hold up against the best players in the world. That's a, that's a really, you know, incredible headspace to be in. And especially when you consider the journey that Max has been on to get there. Yeah, that's well said. I think, you know, you mentioned the president's cup and he's, he's won at Quell hollow. Um, you know, Davis love the third, the captain Davis, I think is going to want to see him now compete in these next major championships. I think that's going to be a key piece for Max. He's won. It's amazing. I mean, there's just some guys that get, you know, we kind of call it win equity, you know, in the, in the uh, gambling space where they get in the hunt, how do they respond? I mean, Max is a bulldog. I mean, he gets up there and it's like, man, you're going to have to go get him, you know, cause he's, he may back up a little bit, then he'll go forward. I mean, he's not the guy that feels like he's just playing to protect. I mean, he is continuing to try to push the envelope all the way up to the last putt on the 72nd hole. All he had to do is two putt. He goes up, that ball almost goes in and you can see him. He was, there was intensity in that, he wanted that ball to go in. Like he's not protecting some guys protect max. Doesn't to me that that's big win equity. And you can see it in spades when he gets in the hunt. So let's, yeah, I, mean, I mean, look at, look at some other guys on tour, Matt Fitzpatrick, a good example, or, or someone like Paul Casey, these guys who are you know maybe higher ranked in the world than max is mm-hmm. uh, have more top tens and seem to be on the first page of the leaderboard more often but they, they don't win like Max does. And yeah. I, it's a really interesting sort of psychological dynamic of, of guys who are there a lot and don't get the job done. And then someone like Max who, who's been there and is, is absolutely taking his chances. So you're hundred percent right. He's, he's a closer, you know, yes. and that's, that's not that common on the PGA. No, no it's not, you know, Cameron Wong young wins this tournament. If he puts, I mean, no one was better strokes gain T degree to first. I said at the beginning of the year, I said, there's two guys for me that are going to follow the track of Sam Burns. Like we were out in front with Sam, like Sam's got it. And he's on his way to me, those guys that are following him. I like Mito Pereira. I think there's a little more to go there, but I also like Cameron young. And to me, he's on that track. The dude, the ball striking machine, got a nice short game. He had a bad putting week, negative 2.1, negative 2.319 strokes game putting for those that like those stats. Um, missed a bunch of putts on Sunday, finished tied second, two back. I'm liking this Cameron young, man. He is going to win here. I think I'm going to go ahead and say in the next three months, I think you're right. And and us here in the New York area, we've known about Cameron for a Mm -hmm. long time. I mean, this kid is, is a local legend, nothing short. I mean, when Brooks Kepka shot 63 at the, at Beth page black, the course record that he broke was Cameron Young's (laughs) shot it as a teenager 
in I think it was the either the Met Open or you know one of the big tournaments over here. His dad is the head pro at Sleepy Hollow, one of the best golf courses in the world, really. And Cameron's mm-hmm. been a prodigy. He was like the youngest ever to play in this tournament and the youngest ever to win this tournament. And he went to Wake Forest and he had a, a good career, but not a great one. Uh, he struggled with consistency. Cameron's good has always been good enough to win at any level that he's played at, but he's he struggled to, to sort of put that round to round consistency together. But that's okay on the PGA tour. Yep. You can you can miss a cut every now and then. You you can have off weeks as long as your on weeks are as good as as his have been. So very, very modern game. I mean, he hits it. Yeah. I'm sure you love his swing with that pause at the top. I think he's second or third in driving distance this year. And hey, this is not the first week where his ball striking has pops like that. I mean, he gained more strokes T to green than Max Homa gained all week. So if he just puts average, field average. He wins. I think that's his third runner-up. You know, he had the Sanderson, I think it was, in the fall. And then and then he finished second at Riviera, which, look, that's, <laughs> you can't fake it around that place, especially against that field. And if you remember, it was him and Joaquin the whole week. I mean, from like Friday on. And, and he hung shot for shot with him. So, you know, Cameron, he just turned 25. I think he's the oldest 25-year-old I've ever met. I mean, the way he looks, the way yeah. he carries himself, he's married mm-hmm. with a child. I think Sam Burns has that too, where you talk to these guys and you're like, yeah, he doesn't seem 24 or 25. Yeah. So... Definitely, definitely a big name to watch out with, with, with a sort of an electric game, you know, a guy who can really, really get hot and, and oh, yeah. have those like Wills Alatoris, Colin Morikawa weeks where it's like, God, this guy's given himself so many eight footers for birdie. So I like watching him play. Uh, I think he's, he's going to be around for a really long time. And I think you're right. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, contend really at Southern Hills, just the way he's, if, if, oh, yeah. if, if he hits it that good, he's going to contend anywhere. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's right now he strokes can't tee to green. He's 14th on the PGA tour and he's a good putter. Like he's 66 and he really hasn't putted that up to his par. Like, you know, he's got the modern game. That's when I look at it, he's got the modern game. Just like when, when Sam was coming up like that, that player translates onto the PGA tour. And we talked to him on the pod when he was going for his third win in a row on the corn Ferry tour. Um, and you're right. I mean, he's just, He's just polished, you know, it's just, he, he's ready to go. And he's not that big of a guy. I, I, I stand, you know, next to him out there watching these guys hitting the range and, and the guy just thumps it. I mean, he just pounds the golf ball. He's one of those guys you just got to stop and watch, um, hit it. I, you mentioned wake. He played with Will Zalatoris. I think he wins before Will. Really? Yeah, I do. I think he's, he's a, they're both, they're both absolutely right there. You're right though about it. He's not very big, but like, I wouldn't want to mess with him. No, like, no. Despite being, you know, he's got yeah. grown man strength. Like he's got a full. <laughs> he's got tree trunks. You too. know what I mean? He's just yeah. like he looks the part. He's got. He's got that sort of like, watch how good I am swagger, which I think does has that too. You know, I think Sam has always had a chip on his shoulder since he didn't make that Walker Cup team, and you know, Cameron has those same sort of sky high expectations for himself after the round yesterday. They're saying, oh, you know, we're kind of halfway through your rookie season now. You've got three runner up finishes. You're you're in pole position to win rookie of the year mm-hmm. how would you assess it and he said you know i think i've done okay it's not like it's not like oh you know I, I'm, I'm so happy to be where i'm at and you know my, he's like i think i've done okay so he fully expects to be here and you know, he's got a cool caddy on the bag i think his name is scott who was one of his good buddies at wake forest and yeah i'm around the golf team wasn't on the golf team but now you know they're traveling together and, and they're best friends and that's a cool dynamic so yeah just a guy who's, who's scared of nobody and i think that's again that's a really dangerous quality for a golfer to have PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new 
Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. All right, let's go to the other end of the perspective. Um, Sergio Garcia, another week, another tantrum uh, on the PGA Tour. You and I were texting after it happened. 10th hole Thursday. I'll set the stage here. He hits it over left into the water or left of the water. There's like a these little streams that run through TPC Potomac. I've played that course a few times. It's interesting. You know, you know, all that rain, you can't really get a real good feel for the course because it was so soft. But um, anyway, he, he goes over, he's looking for his ball. There was this confrontation about how much time it took in the end. I think Sergio was right, but the way he handled the situation, of course, well, here comes the tantrum as he's walking back and doesn't agree with, um, the amount of time that he was given to look for his golf ball quote. He says, I can't wait to leave this tour. This was all caught on camera. Can't wait to, to get out of here. He says, uh, just a couple more weeks. Why I don't have to deal with you referring to the, uh, course marshal out there anymore. And of course, all you can think about in, in this implies that Sergio who has requested for the waiver to play in the event in London is it seems all intents and purposes going to sign up for the LIV series. Doesn't it? Yeah. I think there's, there's no hiding now. You know, I think what you said earlier is, is important to acknowledge like, yeah, Sergio, it seems like was right about the ruling. You know, mm-hmm. working out with the statement after saying the marshal thought he was looking for the ball here when really he was looking for it there. Okay. So Sergio's right. Does not excuse the way. No. And he reacted. And, and those two things can and and can be true at once. And they are true at once that Sergio was right. He shouldn't have been penalized, uh, but he was wrong in the way he reacted. And then, of course, you know, anytime Sergio does some, something, I, I was watching Golf Channel afterwards and they and they showed sort of the greatest hits, Sergio greatest hits, which was, you know, he spit in the cup. He went crazy in that bunker uh, in Saudi Arabia, actually, ironically. Mm-hmm. He uh, disqualified, right? Yeah, uh, he got disqualified from that tournament for actually messing up the greens, and those weren't. Oh yeah, that's right. Even, yeah, that wasn't even caught on camera. That's then, right. Okay, yeah. They showed him flipping off the fans at best age all those years ago. So nothing new. Big cut, big old loogie. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's nothing new from Sergio, but um, yeah, it, you know, it seems like as we talked about in the beginning of the show, like you know, the rubber's really going to hit the road here. Like we're yeah. really going to see who's who's going, and and Sergio seems to have sort of outed himself if, if he didn't already publicly acknowledge that he's going to this thing. And, and uh, you know, I, I think the, it struck a note with a lot of people on the PGA tour because Sergio Garcia has made $54 million in the PGA tour. And if it's been so, so terrible, then, then let us all you know be so unfortunate to have an employer that we don't like that's given us $54 million. Um, I, I just thought it was amazing how quick he went there. Like yeah. with Charlie Hoffman earlier this year, and he kind of said, like, I know it was a choice. I, I, I invoked the sort of Saudi threat to give my comments some more weight. Sergio was like, boom, right there. It was like, I don't like this ruling. I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to leave. You know, almost like he wanted to sort of throw it in that guy's face. So, you know, he's another guy. I think he's 42 or 43 years old, which seems to be sort of the sweet spot for all these live guys. Um, but we're starting to see. I mean, Lee Westwood said so at the British Masters. Richard Bland says so at the British masters, we got Sergio, Phil Nicholson has, has applied for a release. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Kevin Na is going, um, 
you know, that's just kind of what I'm hearing. So you're seeing a bunch of guys who are in that 40 to 50 range who are being offered whatever X amount of dollars to go play in this tournament. And they're all saying, look, I know that it might impact my PJ tour future. I know that it might you know, change things irrevocably going forward, but I'm going to do it. So yeah. that's their choice. They can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's everyone else's choice to, to react to that as they will. It's must watch TV to see how these guys answer the question. Isn't it with Westwood when he came on and that I interview was honest, though, like I, like I, I do actually kind of respect how transparent he's been about it. He hasn't, it's not a little bit of the like grow the game thing, but he's like, look, I'm 48 years old. If someone's going to pay me this much money to play in a golf tournament, I'm going to take it. Well, he doesn't quite say it like that. He, he, he's trying to, but then at the end, what I don't like is then it's, it, then it's the deflection back on, you know, it's change and we don't like change, right? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And, um, and they're trying to do some things, you know, the Saudi government and, and we all know of the, uh, of the, uh, of the issues that are happening over there. Right. And, and that's a big cloud over this in, in the way Saudi Arabia and human rights and things like that. So look, I just wish, Westwood. I think he was trying to go down that path. And I wish these guys that are going to do this, just say, look, you know, I'm kind of at the tail end of my career. Right. And I know there's a lot of question marks that are happening over there. I don't agree with all of it, but this is a lot of money. And at this point in my career, from a business standpoint, I got to do it. I mean, how hard is that just to, you know, to just, that's it. Right. Okay. And, and then it is what it is. And I think most people be like, you know what? I don't agree. That's not the decision that I would make. And I think that's the majority, but okay. Instead it's, you know, grow the game. You know, we're going to revolutionize the game. There's so many issues in professional golf. I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? Well, I think that's probably what they are. I don't know if they're told to say this, but I think that's what Liv wants them to say. I don't think that Liv wants them to say, you know, basically I'm a mercenary and I'll, and I'll go for the highest bidder because that doesn't, that doesn't exactly speak super positively, but you know, I think it's also interesting. You see, a lot of these guys are not, are not American. You're going to see a lot of guys, I think who are European based or, or, you know, South African, it sounds like, you know, these are going to be a lot of the guys who go. And my colleague, John Huggin wrote a piece yesterday that, you know, it, it's not that they want to stick it to the Americans. I don't, I don't think it's sort of that, um, overt but you know in europe and stuff they're used to the saudis being a constant presence like they're 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 everywhere in european sport uh they they host an f1 race which is obviously huge over there getting a lot bigger over here i think a lot of these european tour guys are, are you know if if the especially the dp world tour tries to invoke the sort of morality argument which is like you don't like where this money is coming from you know you should be low well the European tour had the Saudi international on its schedule for three years. They had no problem with the Saudis back then. And all of a sudden now it's an issue. So I think a lot of these guys are saying, you know, the DP world tour, are a bunch of hypocrites. I don't, I don't need uh, the entire world of golf to be so U S based and so U S focused. And so I think for these guys, it's like, if I can, you know, yeah. play less and get more money for it, um, I don't feel any sort of loyalty to the PGA tour and I don't feel any sort of real loyalty to the DP world. Tour. I mean, there are a couple of guys who are really good dudes. I mean, Rory comes to mind who are loyal and, and who, who that actually matters. But I think what we're seeing and what's been sort of laid bare over the past couple of years is, you know, at the end of the day, it's money. And, and yeah, 
and that's okay. Yep. I suppose, you know, it's definitely doesn't feel great. Right. doesn't, yeah. doesn't make you get out of bed and, and, and be proud of, of, of the game of golf. But you know, a lot of these guys, if you put yourself in their shoes and someone offered to quadruple or whatever it is, your pay, you'd have a hard time turning it down. So I think we want our athletes to be, uh, to, to be these sort of beacons of morality, but, but it's just, it's just no. not the case. Yeah. I, I know they're being coached up on what to say. Right. And this is how we want the message to be delivered and they're in a tough spot, but look, you know, it's just, it's must watch when you, when you, when you listen to how carefully they're being articulated and you can hear it in Westwood and what he kind of, what he wants to say and then, and then massage it in a little bit. And, yeah. And I mean, it's really going to come to a head, with the second event, you know, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote an article about this last week, just like in the PJ tour, if you read the handbook, there's language in there that allows them to grant some releases, especially for tournaments outside the U S. So mm-hmm. they granted all the releases for the Saudi event, which was an Asian tour event. Uh, they have to decide, is today May 10th or is today May 9th? It's it's May 10th yeah. is the day that they have to rule. So that's going to come out soon. I wouldn't be surprised on the, on the London event. I wouldn't be surprised if they grant those releases for the London event. But it's the next event, the yeah. one that's in Oregon, same week as the John Deere Classic. July 1st through 3rd. That's when this thing is really going to kick off because in the PGA Tour handbook, it says loud and clear, and it actually says it twice, mm. all caps, NOTE. No releases will be granted for tournaments in North America. So that's cut and dry language. If if you ask for a release to play in an event that is not the PGA Tour event in North America, you will be denied. So someone's going to apply for a release to play in that event in Oregon. The PGA Tour is going to decline it. And then someone's going to sue. It's either going to be a player himself or it's going to be Live Golf Investments who are saying PGA Tour is acting like a monopoly. They're They're not allowed to do this. They can't tell independent contractor where he can and can't play and then this thing is going to go to court and that's sort of been where this is headed for the last two two and a half years and it seems like now with this Oregon event that's really going to kick off a legal battle that that could drag on for a really long time but you know I, I don't think it's impossible that we see uh you know Garrigus versus PGA Tour uh going through the court system I mean it, it sounds silly but that's that's what's going to happen and that's what they're hoping to do and and the smartest thing that they did, they being Live Golf Investments, was move this thing. If the, you know, they're not asking you to sign up for a tour anymore, right? right? Like initially, it was you're going to mm-hmm. play this events and you're going to commit to all of them. Now it's just you know we're holding this golf tournament and we want to pay these guys a lot of money to play in it, and that's their that's going to be their argument, which is like we're just providing an option. Mm-hmm. When it's not a tour, it's it's much less of an undertaking for the player, and it's much much less of an ask, and so. That's what they're doing. They're trying to trigger a lawsuit. It's not, it's not a secret. And EJ yeah. Tour has outside counsel and Live Golf Investments has outside counsel. And they're both being told that, that your position will hold up in court. And we're going to find out here who's right. Yep. It's where it's coming. You know, July or June 9 through 11 starts in London. And then July 1 through 3, they come to Portland, uh, Pumpkin Ridge. I've actually, I think like the next, the next couple are in the U.S., right? There's a, is there a couple right after that? that are- well, no, they go. I think they go back to... Or don't they, they go back and then they come back to Boston, don't they? Or is it, is it Boston after that? I don't know, but I know there's, there's Oregon, there's Boston, uh, there's Doral as the tour championship. Yep. I think one more, Rich Harvest Farms, there's one in Chicago. Yep. So, so I was just down at Doral last week and I played the Blue Monster and there's, there's a, there's a couple new tee boxes being built for that event. Oh, it's happening. No, it's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not happening. I mean, they're yeah. going to have an event in, in June. You can buy tickets, I think. Yeah. So I, so I was looking over on 18 
and there's this whole new area being built. And I thought it was like, is that another like helicopter pad for Trump? No, like, no, that's the new, that's the new T for 18. You have to hit across the water now <laughs> because before you're over here and the water's on the left. I mean, it's a brutal hole. Now they moved it over. They moved it over. So you have to hit across the water. So anyway, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. And I'm just pulling up the schedule right now. I mean, we've got the Byron Nelson nice field this week um, down at TPC Craig ranch, PGA champ the following week, Southern Hills, Phil Mickelson is the defending champion. Then we go Charles Schwab, Jason Kokrak, <laughs> defending champion, who I've heard rumored, you know, perhaps interested as well. Kevin Na, Jason Kokrak, by the way, will be on the Stripe Show podcast on Wednesday. You should ask him. Oh, we're going to ask him. Yeah. Oh, we're going to ask him. Then we go Memorial. <clears throat> and then it's RBC Canada, which is Canadian Open, J- June 9 through 12, which is going to be opposite of that first event. Rough break for the Canadian Open. Two years without a tournament. Gosh. And then, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, the, the first tournament of an existential once-in-a-generation threat to the PJ Tour falls in the same weekend as your tournament. So I'm sure there are a lot of folks at RBC who are not very pleased. No, they're not. All right, let's finish with this. Uh, I know the Byron Nelson is next. That's a fun event. I used to go to that every single year. My sister lived right there at Las Colinas. And, of course, they've moved it now a couple different times. And, and, uh, so it's a, it's a tournament close to me. I've, I've always watched it and uh, good field, but the one after that, of course, the next major, the PGA Southern Hills. So tiger, he was there. Uh, you going to play? Yeah, I think so. I just playing. Okay. I mean, I, I, again, this is, I don't know anything that I haven't, you know, publicly shared, but I know that he was there. Uh, and he played a practice round. Apparently he was really picking the brain of the head pro, uh, I've been told that he's really ramping up his physical regimen. I mean, all signs are go that he's going to play. Yep. I think it's going to be really, really, I'm almost more interested in a weird way to see how he plays and how he looks this time than how he looked at the masters. Cause at the masters, you were like, okay, so it's his first tournament in however many months. And, you know, you know, his leg's going to be an issue and mm-hmm. he looks you know, solid for two rounds. And then he, and then he fell apart on the weekend. I think if we see him at Southern Hills, you know, maybe he doesn't play well for all four rounds, but he plays well for three this time instead of yeah. two. And, you know, maybe he's not limping quite as much. And I think that would send a message to everybody that, hey, the Masters wasn't this like one-off thing that I put all my eggs in that basket and I played in it and then I'm going to fade into the abyss. Like I'm, I'm kind of back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play in all these majors and I'm going to do everything I can to give myself a chance to win them. So, you know, if he finishes 20th or 22nd, I think he's going to be one of the favorites going into St. Andrews, not because he should be, yeah. but because the public just needs the slightest hint that Tiger Woods has any semblance of a golf game to go crazy. And it's not like we're going to see, oh, you know, he finishes 20th at Southern Hills, but then he, you know, he missed the cut at this event. They're, we're only going to have like two data points and people are going to see 47th at the Masters, the mm-hmm. 22nd at Southern Hills, and they're going to say 47 minus 22. Yeah, no, he's going to win. He's going to win the uh, the Open. So, I'm really, really interested. And then on the other hand, if he looks the same way he does at the Masters, where it's like, you know, maybe he can hang around for one round or two, but he's just not physically able to do it, then that would be a much more sobering message, which would be, look, I, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be in a position where he could put together 72 holes. So I think this tournament is going to tell us a lot about the future of Tiger Woods. Is he mm-hmm. someone who can come back and and during his weeks when everything sort of aligns and he's in that right mental and physical space? Can he contend or will his leg just like simply not let it be possible? 
Well, he won the, he won there in 2007, you know, I mean, you know, he likes the course. There's been a few adjustments there. Um, he put a one on the moon in 2007. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Tiger won left-handed in 2007. Yeah. Phil plays. I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I think the, the defending champion, he seems, I think Seth Law had an interview yesterday where he said he's spoken to Phil multiple times. You know, it, it, the fact that they're talking, I think shows that he's going to play and look, he has yeah. to do it sometime. And I think, you know, rather than do it at a, a sort of normal event where he would be the total story, you know, it's almost like he can sort of, yes, Phil's return is going to be the story wherever, but in a major championship week, you know, he, he's the defending champion. It's more sort of about the golf, whereas if he came and played this week, it would, it would just be all about Phil Nicholson. So I think the best thing Phil can do right now for his public image is to get out there and play. And the longer he doesn't, the more he sort of becomes this shadowy figure. Phil needs to be out there flashing the thumbs up, hitting flop shots, you know, over bunkers to 10 feet and being his, you know, corny, smiley self. That's the field that everyone wants to see back. And, and people are, people forgive, you know, I think if he, if he gets up there and he says, look, you know, I, I, I put my foot in my mouth this last couple months, you know, I'm really trying to, to, to turn the page in my life. I think people will come around on Phil because, you know, for as, for as shocking as those comments were, it sort of wasn't anything new. Like, like he, you knew he felt that way. All he did was say the quiet part out loud and the quiet, it was ugly. It was definitely ugly. And I'm sure he wants those words back, but he didn't really do anything. He just said some stuff that was really stark. See, that's where I feel like I differ a little bit. I, I, I agree with the things that you're saying, but I feel like Phil's in a situation now where I don't know this, but I would just have to assume Phil has been paid. Right. Yes. I feel like Phil's been paid from the LIV group. And I feel like Phil now is a part of that group. And I feel like Phil now, I mean, he helped build it. He helped build it. So it's, I don't feel like Phil's part of the PGA tour anymore. So that's this kind of being forgiven. Like, I feel like the ship has sailed as far as like Phil wanting to be a part of the PGA tour. I mean, he's now he's drawn the line. He's over here. Like he is the competitor. You know, so I don't know. Like, it's tough for me. How do you, if, it's one thing to say, yeah, he's going to try to be forgive, come back, play the PGA tour. I, I don't see it at this point. Yeah, that, I don't know. That's a, it's a good question. Like if they're truly, if it's truly mutually exclusive where you have to either be playing the live series or the PGA tour, it seems like Phil, because after all these comments and after the crazy backlash, yeah. you know, his first public comments, they weren't even his comments, but his agency, they're like, yeah, he's, he's going to play. I mean, yeah. All that outrage didn't, didn't change anything, which, which tells you he's either been paid or he really, really wants to be paid. So you're right. I, I don't think, I don't think Phil, and maybe I'm wrong here. I don't think Phil or any of these guys really believe that they're going to be banned from the PGA tour. Yeah. I think they believe and, and probably live has told them this, that they can't do that. And, uh, you know, if they try to do that, we will, we'll sue them out the ass and, and we'll, we'll protect your guys' rights. So it is interesting though. Like, I wonder if these guys are thinking about it as this is a or B because I think they're probably not. I think they're probably thinking they can have their cake and eat it too. And we're going to find out. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this stuff is like you said, next month it's coming right now. It's going to happen folks in the next 30 days. It, it, the rubber's going to hit the road. Um, more like we're going to a lawsuit here. I mean, more than likely that's what's, what's going to happen. June 10th, I think, or, or sometime, whatever 30 days before the Oregon event is when the PJ tour has to rule on releases. That's the date when you're going to see this thing kick off. Yeah. Oh my God. Jason co this week. I'm, I've been, we're working on Kevin now. I, I, I need, 
I need Kevin on the podcast immediately post some beautiful pictures of his family yesterday and I've been reaching out and he's not responding. So anyway, we're going to, we're going to continue to work on that. <laughs> it's you, should have Grayson, you should have Grayson Murray on and not- yeah, I'll have him interview him. That'd be great. Right. Grayson. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> wow. Golf is, this is, I mean, right. Like 10 years ago, if someone would have said this to you, this is what the sport's going to look like. You then get the hell out of here. It's crazy. You know, Tiger's like the third biggest story this week, which, which really tells you something. Yeah. All right, man. I know you, uh, I know you got some busy stuff coming up, some, uh, some wedding plans, all the best to you, man. I appreciate coming on the pod. Always happy to do it. Thanks, Travis. All right.